Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXPG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. EK, did you tell me we went live or... Well, I'm just double checking, you know. Okay. Takes for, takes YouTube a second sometimes. Oh, do you hear it? Do you hear it? I hear you. I was just making sure. Double checking your work, you know. Measure twice, cut once, or is it cut? Film twice, cut three times. I think you don't ever want to cut it. Cut. 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 Action. Action. Here we go. Welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman, and we're just all trying to figure this out. I really don't. I really don't know how any of this works. Sponsored today by Pinot Grigio. Thank you, Mama Cluxon. Anyway, I took a shower. That's right. I took a shower. How awesome is that? A little more than 100 years ago, you would wake up, grab an empty bucket, and wander down to the river or pond. You'd wade into the water. You'd take a piss. You'd wash wash out your nasty ass and crotch. You'd fill the bucket with, quote-unquote, drinking water for the day and amble back to your shack wondering why your kids keep dying of cholera. But not for us. Not for us lucky few. No. We can walk into a special water closet and out from above you, water as cold as hot or as hot as you need can come streaming over you washing all of your nastiness down into a drain near your feet. you got to appreciate the little things. We don't even get our drinking water from the same spout. Try that in someone's house. Ask to get a cup of water, get the cup, and go into the bathroom and fill your cup from the bath spout. That'll freak them out. That water is perfectly safe to drink, but you'd be weird for doing such a thing because we are all... So far removed from us washing, bathing, drinking from, pissing into, pooping into the same river. Some people in the world still live that way. Without the showers. Without hot showers. Just imagine what we are denying people all over the world. And these are the great luxuries and technological breakthroughs that make Occidental capitalism better than anything else. You bring clean water to communities. It changes them forever. I'm not even talking about showers. I'm just talking about running water. And that's what a lot of a lot of organizations do. They'll go out and they'll get running water to a community so that little girls, once they hit their, uh, is it called men's? No, not menses. Menses is the thing, later thing. The, uh, once they hit, Estrus? Is it estrus? Puberty. It's puberty. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why. Once they start having their monthly cycle, clean and running water allows them to continue their education from that point. And a lot of these, uh, some other countries, they don't want their women to be educated. Some other countries. They don't want their women to be educated, and so why would they want to bring water, fresh water, into their community so their women have to be nothing but cleaning the house and uh, dealing with their monthly puberty thing? 
<laughs> and so that's the miracle of Occidental luxury. That's the miracle of Occidental capitalism, is that we can bring cle- uh, clean, fresh run- running water that allows women to go, uh, ed- be educated beyond the point of puberty and get to a point when they're like, probably like eight, 17, 18, and they're just like, you know, I just want a hot shower. And I understand that. I understand that. Hot showers are a miracle of Western society. And you know, it's just like I was saying, it's just, you know, a hundred years ago, a hundred more years ago, people were living like that, going down on the river and getting their drinking water and doing all their business into the river, cleaning their clothes. Like, why do my clothes still smell like piss? You know, (laughs) the whites always get yellow, you know, that kind of stuff. It's even like washing machines and stuff like that. These are the miracles that we live with every day in in Western society. And that is all built upon the technology and capitalism that has made products uh, cheaper and easier to have. When indoor plumbing first came into being, it was only the rich that could afford it. It was only rich people in Manhattan. They had to refit all these buildings that had, they had uh, made. And that allowed, for, because of plumbing, and it allowed uh, uh, skyscrapers to be built. It was like, hey, boom, the toilets at the top floor flush better than the toilets on the first floor. You know, gravity. (laughs) So, I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing luxury we have. And sometimes we take it for granted. Because there are people who still live in the world today that still wash their nasty asses in rivers. And so when you think that, you know, being a globalist society is a good thing, it's like, no. American society has has advanced progress, has advanced technology to the point that we can take a hot shower for granted. On a plus side, I also brush my teeth too. It's way better than gargling with piss like the Romans did. Doesn't mean I didn't do it for funsies. So, moving on. <laughs> Different rant. Hashtag new rant. Learning to talk is a funny thing. You see, EK's mini, mini me and my niece are about... Th- the same age, and they are starting to really learn how to talk. Just the other day, I'm walking past MMM, many, many me, M cubed, as I like to call him, and he absolutely has to explain to me the layout and weapon systems of his starship he created out of couch cushions and expressly prohibits me from accessing this fictional weapon system despite performing a live fire exercise just to prove the efficacy of said weapon system. Of course, he has to tell everyone about the rules involving his fictional starship and the dream he had the night before. Because he's a kid, he, has, he hasn't been sober, sober for a second. He has been sober for every second of his life, unlike me, and hasn't learned how to avoid all that bullshit. Speaking of bullshit, EK bro. EK bro. Your kid and my niece are starting to learn the value of lies. I love a good fiction story just as your kid does. Do you punish your kid for lying about his starship and the efficacy of his weapon system? Or do you punish him for lying about the spilling the coke on the new carpet? I punish him because he's not able to write his stories down yet. Can't oh, we can't make fun. Yeah. We make... <laughs> okay. Wait. No, wait. I, that, was, that was me that spilled the coke on the carpet. Just th- throwing that out there. My niece just imagines more rooms in her mansion to store her magical horses. But all that would be destroyed by the efficacy 
of M-Cube's tachyon cannons, incinerating all those horses and Barbies and horses and Kens and horses in fictional west wings of your horse mansion. But it's not like you, and I know how to stop this fictional madman from destroying fictional realities. Only M-Cubed knows where the real trigger is for his tachyon cannons, which disperse molecules backwards in time. See, these kids are learning what is, a good, what is good to lie about. In reality, that's a different story. They could find out what the last fingerprint on the tachyon cannon's trigger was, but that can't happen in M-Cube's reality. Speaking of juvenile fantasies, hmm, I wanted to grow up to be Batman. And would you believe that I actually um, made a costume? And random ran around my neighborhood at one point. <laughs> Only a couple times. <laughs> With a costume, mask, cape, and everything. And I'd run around my neighborhood. And because we didn't have a, a, what are those, a facade on a three-story building to stand over and look over things. So i just get on like a tree stump. And i stand there with my cape, cape over my face like this. You know? And i say stuff like, uh, The night is my friend. The darkness is mine. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> justice for evil do justice to evil doers. And you know, I'm a little bit like Hank Venture in that regard. And so I I mean it even developed to the point it was like, oh, I'm I'm gonna of all the superheroes, of all the superheroes that existed, you know, it's like, yeah, everyone has those Superman fantasies. Everyone has those Spider-Man fantasies. Absolutely. If you read comic books, you have those fantasies. But you understand that you cannot you cannot be Superman. You are not Kryptonian. You're not going to wake up one day and find some crystal humming to you, whistling some song. <laughs> Just can't get that song out of my head until you find the crystal. And the crystal says to you, uh, take me to the North Pole and throw me in the ice. You're not going to get that. However, Batman can exist. He can exist. <laughs> For a, a couple weeks, at most, at most. But he could be real. And so he, you even start thinking as a kid, it's like, oh, I'm reading this back, uh, Batman story, and it tells me it's like what he did. Now, what he did to uh, become Batman is way different in the comic books than it's expressed in like Batman Begins, although Batman Ge Begins kind of sums it up. But I mean, if, it talks, if you talk about like all the things that Batman did, or Bruce Wayne did uh, before Batman, you're talking about him first completing high school, first, he went to college, you know, graduated honors, and while he's at college, he's, you know, training his body to per physical perfection. He's working out every day and then hitting the books and working out every day and then hitting the books. It's like, and everything he's studying is like, I got to study everything. I got to understand everything because sooner or later, one of these things is going to become the difference between life and death. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do all that. Then I hit algebra. And I was like, no, 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 I don't think, <laughs> I don't think I could be Batman. I don't think I could be Batman because this shit is hard. <laughs> I hate math. I'm not very good at math at all. And I think that's reason number one. I am, I wouldn't make a good Batman. And so, I mean, it took me just a couple of days. It's like, before I start running around in my neighborhood in a Batman costume, maybe I should, you know, uh, train a little bit, get myself ready in case somebody says, hey, creepy kid, what are you doing back there? <laughs> could happen. Mm. I'm wondering if I can go grab Pino or somebody could. Anyway, 
So here's the point. It's like at a certain at a certain level, you realize it's like I cannot be Batman. And so you start to think it's like maybe I can pursue a career in law enforcement. Now, like I said before, the same skills that Batman needs to be Batman, you need to be a police officer. Oddly enough, you could just set that down. I'll pour it. Or okay, give me a refill. Hold on. I will drink it all, bro. God bless you. So at some point, you're like, I want to be a police officer. That's, that's the way to go. But the same skills apply for Batman. Oh, portable refills on the Pinot. Thank you, sir. EK for the win. That being said, and so you start to realize, is like, if I'm not cut out to be Batman, maybe I'm not cut out to be a cop. You know, however, Batman appealed to me because the idea of punishing the evil, the idea of beating them physically with your fists appealed to me in the juvenile sense, in the juvenile sense that I want to, I want to make the world a better place. Every kid at some point sees himself as the old, as the, as a white hat, as a white knight, you know, and there's no racial connotation there. It's like, I want to fight for truth, justice in the American way, as it were. And so you start to realize around that age, when you start fantasizing, like, I could be Batman. Then you start realizing the flaws that'll get you killed two weeks into being Batman. It's like your entire life, you know, you spent, you're 30 years old. If you follow the entire Batman story, it's like, went to college, you know, got doctorates and shit like that. Then he joined a criminal organization, went all over the world. No, oh, no way. Then he went and trained martial arts and trained in martial arts, different masters all over the world, you know, and then, and then you know, learned all their masteries. And uh, went among the criminals to see how they live for a while. And so, but realistically, Bruce Wayne was like, started being Batman at about 29 years of age and hasn't aged a, a day since then. Now, here's the point. It's like, at some point you realize, it's like, I cannot be Batman because of my flaws. Because I am flawed. I don't have the discipline to do all that stuff. Then you start to realize, like, maybe I don't even have the character to be a police officer. To let somebody spit on me and not me pull out my gun immediately and shoot them. Because I have my own anger issues. And so a lot of the development of coming to age is like, it, it involves a story of, for me anyway, it involves a story of realizing like sometimes you're not cut out for the job that you want. It's easy to want to be Superman and go around righting all the world's wrongs, but until you can realize it's like, hey, sometimes you can be wrong too, Superman. You know, then you start to realize, realize like maybe people shouldn't have Superman-level power. And so the only real power we have is Batman. And it's unreasonable to think that I'm going to sleep four hours a night, four hours a night, and, uh, you know, be working out, <laughs> doing cardio, going to classes, and then in the evenings, standing on the rooftops, looking down at the city just to go, the night is mine. Batman. I mean, seriously, when you think about the waste of time, it's like in every single one of those Batman movies, the Christian Bale Batman movies, when Batman would just disappear, all right? He would just appear and disappear. And it's like, ooh, that's very spooky how Batman does, does that. But at the beginning of The Dark Knight, you know, um, he sneaks into the bank, ninja style, all right? That shit takes time. Sneaks in the bank to have ninja style, into the vault, ninja style, nobody sees him, and then he could just pop up and he's like, these are the bills that I gave you, right? And have this short conversation with Jim Gordon, and then ninja style sneak back out. Do you think that, is a, that is an effective use of Batman's time? 
<laughs> That's why in the old Adam West series, Batman would just walk in the front door with the press snapping pictures and the cops are like, Batman, right this way. That makes more sense. <laughs> Oddly enough, it's the, only, it's the only way that series makes any sense <laughs> in many ways. Anyway, so here's the truth. I'm not cut out to be Batman. Not cut out to be a cop. Oh, well. What can you do? So you got to find something else to do with your life, and here I am. <laughs> if I were God, if I were God, I would do what I call a pinch. A pinch, a yank. A yank, let's call it a yank. I'm look, I would do what I call a yank, where you just grab a hold of space-time and yank it real quick, just once. Yank it. Like that. And that would cause space-time to just stop for a second. For a second, all of space and time would stop where it is for just like, not even a whole second, like even a fraction of a second. Like I would pick like pi, like 0.314, etc. <laughs> like I remember that. Like I said, I'm bad at math. Like 0. 0.314, <laughs> 1.314 seconds or whatever. Whatever pi is. 3.14, but 0.314 seconds, etc. And everyone, it would be amazing because every single person, like if, if that happened, if God decided to do a yank, yeah, we landed on yank. If God decided to use a yank at that, like right now during my podcast, everything, like the camera too, would probably be like thrown all the way against the wall. And you see me like groaning and moaning, going, making that noise from that uh, grape stomping lady video. But at the same time, you wouldn't be watching because you also would be flying against the nearest wall. <laughs> 4.314 seconds. And uh, all of a sudden, reality's normal again. And everyone will be asking. It'll be all over the news. It's like, what the fuck happened yesterday? <laughs> people have no idea. They have no idea why everybody on earth, everybody that who can perceive the universe that we know of, all of a sudden got thrown to a wall in their room or God forbid on the highway. <laughs> oh, it, there would be accidents all over the highway and stuff like that. You know, it'd be horrible. It's like, where were you when the yank happened? You know, everyone gets thrown. Everyone gets thrown for 0.314 seconds. <clears throat> and then the, all of a sudden the mathematicians come in. They start observing the moon. They start observing Mars. They start observing Venus. They, they're looking at these other heavenly bodies and realize that they all haven't moved either. Everything, everything. And they could come down with the math to it. They say like Mars has like not, it's, they, had, they experienced a similar effect. A yank of 0.314 seconds. Everything's exactly where it should be. Even though we all experienced that 0.314 seconds where it was, ah! And then that's it. And that's it. Hell, it may not even throw some people off their game. Depends on how much they had to drink. Depends on how, like, uh, <laughs> what kind of spider reflexes they have. If I were God, that's something I would do. Just to say, hey, pay attention. <laughs> There's somebody else around here that has control over stuff. But I'm not God. And I 
yeah, I'm probably not right for that job either. <laughs> I shouldn't be Batman, shouldn't be God. Um, so I was, uh, I was thinking about those days playing um, uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas on the PlayStation 2. You know, and it was about a time in my life uh, while CJ, while CJ was uh, running the hood in uh, San Andreas, I was going through high school, graduating high school, and like in that in that period where I was going to college for a little while before I joined the Navy. And at that time, a band started getting really, really hot called Rage Against the Machine. Now, I was never really a fan of their music. Still not. Uh, still not. I find them to be too political. However, they have a song. I don't know what it's called. They have a song, and there's a refrain. That's the nicest way I can say this. But the refrain is, fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. And so, uh, Killing in the Name of is um, the name of the song by Rage Against the Machine. Just did a quick search right now because I don't know. I don't like I don't like the band. However, some of those workforces are the same that burn cross. You know, it's that kind of thing. However, and it wow, this is more repetitive than most rap songs. And so, um, yeah, and so there's a refrain right at the end of the song of um, what's the name of this again? Killing in the name of where it's fuck you, I I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And that refrain. For all my hatred of Rage Against the Machine, that refrain, I said, I remember thinking to myself, back in the mid-90s, thinking to myself, that phrase is American as fuck. You know, they may come from Los Angeles, they may be political nut jobs, they may have, you know, mediocre music at best. However, that refrain at the end of Killing of the Name of is American as fuck. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. I get that. That is, that is the, the core of the punk rock movement. And in many ways, you are a revival. The 90s were kind of a revival of the 70s of music. There was a lot of punk. There was a lot of uh, uh, folky stuff that was popular in the 90s. And a lot of people don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about how the 90s were kind of a revival of the 70s in many ways. But that refrain in that song is American as fuck. It's awesome. It's awesome because we are a rebellious nation. And if you're the kind of person that says, like, you need to wear a mask, if you're the kind of person that says you need to obey this lockdown order and we need to do, you know, all this stuff, you need to do something, you need to do this. And I'm sorry, even Rage Against the Machine is American enough to say, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And I don't, I don't understand, is, has this concept been lost in America? Has this concept been uh, uh, forgotten? You know, I grew up in that era, and I'm a product of the eras that I lived in. You know, and a part of my culture in that era was Rage Against the Machine, one of the most liberal bands I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, if I ran into Rage Against the Machine, if I ran into them, let's see. Rage Against the Machine band members. Who are these guys? Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Let's look, take a look. So, Zach Della Roca. 
uh, vocalist. So I've come up to these guys. Say I met Rage Against Machine, and it was like, hey, Zach, man, I really like your sound. It's okay. And um, it's pretty good. It's kind of like punk metal. It's I, I dig it. Your voice kind of matches that. And so um, uh, can I just say is like you'd reach far more of your audience. You'd reach far more of your audience, Zach, if you, you took the politics out of it just a little bit. And you know what Zach would say to me? He'd say, fuck you, do you? I won't do what you tell me. And he has every right to. And that's the America I live in. That's the America I grew up in. That's the America I live in today. All right? And I'm just surprised that so many people are cowed into this idea that, like, I have to do something you tell me? No. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me was a concept of the 90s. Hell, it was a a concept in the... I'm sure I heard it was played at a political rally at some point when they're trying to pass through Obamacare. The Affordable Care Act. Whatever. You can't can't tell Americans to do something. You tell them they're just going to get pissed and want to, I don't know, make a rock song about Ronald Reagan or something like that. Isn't that what Dee Snyder did? He was mad at Ronald Reagan? I have a lot of respect for Dee Snyder. I don't agree with him politically, and it's just like Rage, Rage Against the Machine. I don't agree with him politically. And, but I... They're American as fuck. You don't have to agree with somebody to agree that that is an American as fuck. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. That refrain, at the end of Killing in the Name of, is all about America. And I'm surprised that so many people are still walking around with masks on. <laughs> It's like, we used to be more, uh, what's the word, uh, uh, anarchist. No, uh, that's wrong. Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of right. It was like, we were kind of anarchist in the sense that, uh, they realized that the monarchy in England, when they formed this country, they realized that, that a lot of, a lot of money was being spent by the government, by the monarchy. Um, on the bureaucracy, all the lords and ladies and stuff like that. Everyone gets knights, get knighted, gets money and shit like that. You know, it was. And there was a lot of complaints about a monarchy and a large government. And when um, they started this government, they wanted to be a, a minimal minimalist government. Although, even though it federated, and but drawn upon uh, state powers and local regional powers. So that, you know, the, they wanted the states to have more power than the federal government. And the federal government is just like, hey, making suggestions in many ways. It's like, maybe we should do this. And then, you know, Lincoln came along. Anyway, a lot of opinions right there. And so, uh, oh, okay. I'm still recording. <laughs> uh, so I only got a couple minutes uh, before the news worth knowing. So I just want to tell you real quick that I th- really thought, I really thought about... Um, uh, writing a review of um, Quantico because I just started watching that like uh, two days ago, and uh, oh, it's so bad! It's so bad! I can't. It's like the Longmire thing. I kind of can't wait to write a review about it because it's so awful. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit through it all. <laughs> well, you know, while I'm writing, while I'm you know doing other stuff, but I just, who it's so awful. I can't wait to jump down these this woman power. And anyway. I have a lot of things to say about it. And so um, I, I thought about writing all that off, 
right, writing all that up right away, but I couldn't, I figured I'd rather shoot from the hip when I'm talking about, you know, wanting to be Batman. And if I were God and, you know, Rage Against the Machine. Anyway, so let's go ahead and get into the news worth knowing, if you don't mind. <clears throat> so uh, let's get into Katie Couric here. Katie Couric's, <clears throat> excuse me, Katie Couric's condescending elitist remarks calling to deprogram GOP retires journal label critics say. First of all, this is a horrible headline. You shouldn't have that many quotes. Uh, what are those called? Any quotes in a in a um, in a in a headline? If you ask me, I kind of miss the days of newspapers where you know you had a limited space to to put that in, and it's like it's kind of like some of these podcasts around here. Some of their titles are a little too long to um, to be fit into uh, uh, the upload for the RSS feed and so forth. Hey, real quick question: Are we on Spotify or no? No. Okay. I got you. Um, John, you know who you are. Uh, we're not on Spotify. Sorry for telling you that. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Katie Couric and her remarks. All right, so Katie Couric has spent decades on television across the three broadcast ne- networks, but the highly partisan remarks she made on Real Time with D- Bill Maher... Hold on a second. Back up, back up. Real Time with Bill Maher. Last week could tarnish her tarnish her image as an iconic nonpartisan newswoman. I was like, what? That's a, that Latin nonpartisan. Who thought that Katie Couric is nonpartisan? She's a person, isn't she? People aren't nonpartisan. Even if you think you're nonpartisan, you know, it's a, it's a discipline. Not being nonpartisan is a discipline. And if you're in a commentary, like commentary talk show, like Real Time with Bill Maher, why shouldn't Katie Couric, why shouldn't she be able to speak her mind? Politically. All right, but let's talk about what she said. Katie is, quote, retired from any objective news duties, Newsbusters uh, executive editor Tim Graham told Fox News, but she has been partisan for a long time. Kirk, best known for being a longtime time co-anchor of NBC's Today and a five-year uh, five run-in of the anchor chair of CBS Even- Evening News, raised eyebrows when she blasted the GOP's support for President Trump amid his second impeachment battle. Quote, it is so shocking. Not only are they not condescent, uh, conceding, Bill, but their thoughts, but their thoughts that there, there might have been some collusion among members of Congress. Some are refusing to go through magnometers to check for weapons. They're not wearing masks during the siege. <laughs> Correct. Began. Quote, I mean, it's really bizarre, isn't it? When you think you know how AWOL so many of these members of Congress have gotten, but I also think some of them are believing the garbage that they have been fed 24-7 on the internet by their constituents, <laughs> and they brought this uh, brought into this big lie, and the question is how they're going to really uh, going to really almost deprogram those people. Oh, hold on. And the question is how are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump? <laughs> they went straight to Stalinism. Like straight into, let's erase his photos from Home Alone 2. Anyway, so let's go on to this story. Cornell law professor and media critic William A. Jacobson told Fox News that threats of deprogramming Trump supporters have become common among liberal journalists. 
Katie Couric, Katie Couric making such an offensive comment comes to, as no surprise. She is part of a media complex that deliberately stifled the flow of information negative in Biden, information negative to Biden, in order to interfere with the election. Jacob, Jacobson said. All right, that's all right. The Hill columnist and Fox contributor Joe Concha, I'm not really familiar with these people, uh, made a similar observation of a growing trend among members of the media who have called for a deprogramming and silencing 75 million Americans. This sort of, this is a quote, this, is, this sort of rhetoric from Couric, which comes across as so condescending and elitist, underscores the divide between our media, which primarily resides in New York and Washington and the rest of the country, which is moderate to center-right per multiple polls. Excuse me. And it's why the industry is so mistrusted and frowned upon, Concha told Fox News. Couric, who is slated to host uh, guest host Jeopardy following the passing of Alex Trebek, God rest him, uh, was openly cheering on Trump's impeachment during her real-time appearance. Quote, if you commit a crime and then you move, uh, does that mean you're not, we're not going to charge you with a crime because you're moving out of the neighborhood? I mean, it's ludicrous, Kirk told Marr, who expressed opposition to Trump's second impeachment. Quote, I think there, uh, there have to be guardrails on the presidential tower. He incited violence. He was really, really inciting violence. Quote, it's insane that you cannot let that stand, she added. Anyway, so uh, there's only like two more paragraphs of this article, it, and uh, they probably don't matter. So the rest of the article doesn't. But here's the thing. It's like, of course these journalists have opinions. And of course they should be allowed to express them in commentary shows like Real Time with Bill Maher. I don't know why everybody, anybody's upset with this. I really don't. I mean, I could sit here and tell you objectively the sky is blue. All right? And are you going to come at me and say, like, uh, from all your podcasts and all your uh, YouTube videos, we could tell you lean right. And I was like, does that change the sky from being blue? You know, ob- objectivity is a discipline. It's not something that you are. All right? And so thinking that any journalist is unbiased is absurd to me. And thinking that Katie Couric was ever, ever objective, was ever objective, is insane to me. You know, But this is just indicative of a trend that is going on within liberal circles in the sense that they think that they need to beep up, does not compute. They think they need to reprogram somebody who thinks differently than them. And that is straight up Stalinistic. That is straight up re-education camps. All right? And they think that they have the power now. And it's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, this government's power is not built upon who's in the office. You know? I think, I think somebody said, maybe Jefferson, is that it's not, you know, the government shouldn't fear, the, oh wait, the people shouldn't fear the government, the government should fear the people, and I think that is still true in America today. Alright? They may be getting arrogant up there. They may be. But believe me, believe me, in two years of a Democrat House and presidency, you know, in control of all the electable offices, which has happened before, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but it's happened before. In two years before the next election, where we can start more, in, uh, you got to understand, the, you know, the sine wave, 
that is the political process, you know. It swings both ways. In two years, we're going to have another election, and we're going to get far more conservatives in the next election. That's just trends. That's just tracking trends out of my memory. I'm not even looking at any stats. I'm looking at my fucking Facebook page. All right? So, these people think that they can reprogram us. They're insane. They're insane. They think we still live like in the 1940s, where you could still reprogram people. Where people, where you, like, for example, say, say, God forbid, God forbid there's a civil war, and then there's uh, woke states and non-woke states, and then there's a war, and then you'll, or, or then the, there becomes a truce in the war. All right, it's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to live over here, we're going to be the uh, non-woke states, and we're going to be the woke states. It's like, okay, but there's still going to be people smuggling cell phones and data and thumb drives into woke states so that people, just like in China, just like in China, for God's sakes, people still smuggle Bibles into China. People still smuggle religious material into China. People still smuggle technology that is connected to a worldwide network of information that they can't have access to other than the government that is controlling them. You can't stop the signal, Mal. Anyway, let's go on to this next story. <laughs> let's talk about an Army veteran who calls out Democratic lawmaker for a ridiculous remark about troops posing threat to Biden. Wow, I'm a little buzzed, to be honest. So uh, we'll try to get the summary of these stories without going too much into them. Hmm. Um, so a West Point graduate and Army veteran ripped Representative Steve Cohen, the Democrat from Tennessee, for floating the conspiracy theory that National Guard troops deployed in Washington, D.C. for the inauguration pose a threat to presidential, president-elect Joe Biden. Quote, it's absolutely ridiculous, Jeremy Hunt told Fox & Friends. Uh, when Hunt was on active duty, he had incredible opportunity to serve with men and women of the National Guard. He calls them incredible and noted that they have jobs outside of their military service. It's the National Guard. I just want you to know that. I'm just putting that out there. It's the National Guard. Quote, they are local law enforcement officers. I have a friend that is a small businessman. They are uh, healthcare workers. They have literally dropped everything at a moment's notice and deployed to the Capitol to serve, leaving their families behind. They deploy to the Capitol to serve. Anyway, uh, I, I guess I got to read this next paragraph. Uh, Representative Steve Cohen from Kent, Tennessee, ominously suggested Monday that Donald Trump supporters within the National Guard, charged with helping protect Joe Biden, quote, might want to do something to the president-elect. So uh, that's that's all I want to talk about in, in this article. Uh, so here's the thing: I've served in the active duty military, not the Navy Reserves. All right, or the uh, are they Coast Guard? There's no naval reserves. If there is, um, I, I served active duty Navy. The the National Guard, the in uh, what are they called? The the reserves. Those people are shit shows. They are shit shows. All right, and I'm I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm just saying that uh, people who are are reservists or are um. Uh, not active duty, basically, National Guard, they are not as um, into it the way that military, like active duty military are. Active duty military people, sure, sure, active duty military people tend to be uh, uh, conservative. 
generally, because they're smarter and, you know, they have to deal with threats on a constant basis. All right. Uh, National Guard troops is like they have, it's like a part-time job. Being National Guard is a part-time job, you know, and people who live in a gig economy, by all means, go become a part of the National Guard. Absolutely. But here's the point is that the military, regardless of its National Guard or regardless of its, you know, active duty or reservists, we all have to work together. And that's the rule. It's like you don't you don't bring your politics in. Uh, I rephrase that. You bring your politics in with you, but you have to focus on the tasks at hand. And if the task you have at hand is objectable to you, you can bring it up the chain of command. I, don't, I think there's a, a, a mentality among a lot, a lot of liberals that um, there's no agency within each individual soldier, each individual uh, sailor or marine. You know, it's, um, these people, they, they can make the choices, you know, they can choose to disobey an order. You know, everybody has agency and we all know that even the military is like, you can't say to somebody, you can't like give them an order. And if they object to that order, they can object to it officially. There are channels for this because it's been happening for a long, long time, you know? I think even the Count of Monte Cristo, Cristo, <laughs> Count of Monte Cristo, Count of Monte Cristo, Abe Faria, uh, the priest, he tells a story about how, he, uh, uh, I think it was Napoleon told him to burn a church, and he's like, that's where they, everyone was hiding, and he didn't want to burn the church, and the, he told him, like, do it, and so he was ordered to, and he did it, and, you know, and it changed his life from that moment. And so I think that even the military understands from long, long ago is that, you know, uh, a volunteer military is better than a conscript military. Somebody forced to be there isn't going to make a hard choice or the right choice in any particular moment. All right. And so God bless those National Guard troops, you know, and don't think that there's any partisanship within the ranks. They swore to support and defend the Constitution, just like I did. And just like they did, all right, that's what we swore to defend. Not a party, not a person, all right? And checking people for loyalty means checking them for loyalty to somebody else. That means they want to check them for loyalty to Biden as opposed to Trump. And that's not how the military works. The military supports and defends the Constitution, and the Constitution says there should be a peaceful transition of power because of what happened in the Electoral College. And so that's what has to happen. And I think that everybody who is in the National Guard or reservist or active duty can support and defend that idea, is that that has to happen. That does not mean that the entire, our entire world is going to fall apart. There has been peaceful transitions of power ever since America what since uh, 1770 uh, I don't know the first election which George Washington finally left office when John Adams came in they knew they knew it's like that is what the military supports you Nancy Pelosi you can't come to the military and try to take control of them because they don't serve you they support and defend the constitution anyway I don't think I'm going to get half through these stories, half of the way through these stories, because I'm too buzzed. I'm too buzzed. Mm. That's my fault. That's all on me, dear listener. All right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, 
going along these uh, reprogramming lines, a cult expert told CNN, all of America needs deprogramming after the Trump years. Uh, cult expert Steve Hassan told CNN on Tuesday that all of America needs deprogramming due to the negative influence of President Trump, especially rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol. So all that Chaz stuff, all those Chaz guys and uh, Black Lives Matters people, do they need re reprogram reprogramming too? I am so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Do they all, because all of America needs deprogramming? I don't think any of America needs deprogramming. I'll be honest with you. I think The Apprentice lost its appeal after about four episodes. All right? And four years, of, uh, four years of Trump is enough for me. I've had enough of this season, so um, I, I, I really don't think that it matters. I don't think that people uh, believe what they believe because of Trump. I don't think that anybody has been brainwashed because of him. Do you believe that somebody is undisciplined in the way he speaks, as Trump, as the way Trump speaks? could be like trained by the CIA to give subtle, subtle hand motions and that triggers uh, Manchurian candidates all over this country, white supremacist candidate, Manchurian candidates all over this country. Get the fuck out of here. That's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. You want to reprogram people? You can get straight up Stalinist on us right away? How can you be that blind? Let's move on to this next story. Stevie Wonder calls on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to establish a truth commission to, to investigate inequality. Aren't you fucking blind, dude? Anyway, um... Uh, Ebony and, I, uh, and Ivory. Uh, Stevie Wonder celebrated Martin Luther King Day with a heartfelt video addressed to the late Civil, War, uh, civil Rights icon and called on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to establish a National Truth Commission. A truth czar, just like Russia. The musician posted a more than four-minute video. Why are all those hyphens in there? Anyway, um, to his Twitter page on Monday, in which seemed to address his remarks directly to Dr. King, who was assassinated in 1968. In his speech, Wonder thanked the late civil rights icon for the work he did in his life while lamenting the lack of progress in the country. has seen in the years since his death. Okay. Um, quote, this is a quote from Stevie Wonder. I met you when I was 14 years of age. You were a true hero, and you become an inspiration. I have been blessed to write songs of love, hope, and motivation, many of them inspired by your life. Wonder went on to denounce what little has been done in the wake of the civil rights movement and King's work. Quote, it is painful to know that the needle has not moved one iota. How the hell does Stevie Wonder know what an iota or what a needle is? Anyway, for 36 years, I've had a national holiday. Uh, we've had a national holiday uh, honoring your birthday and principles, but you would not believe the lack of progress. It makes me physically sick. I am sick that politicians try and find an easy solution to a 400-year problem. I think your math's off on that. I am sick of people using God for a convenience rather than a commitment. I am sick of lies and deceit that dominate our reality. I am sick 
that the truth is struggling to be heard and defended. You know what? I am sick that the truth is struggling to be heard and defended, Stevie Wonder. But you know what? Uh, If Michael Jackson taught us anything, you don't have to be smart to be a good musician. You don't have to be sighted to be a good musician. It doesn't mean you know a goddamn thing. I'm not trying to uh, say that Stevie Wonder fucks kids, but are we really going to erase Stevie Wonder from the world for saying his nonsense in a political sense? I mean, absolutely. Stevie Wonder has excellent music, and he has every right to his opinion. But I did not know you were that blind, Stevie Wonder. I did not know that perhaps there's too many people around you with a skin color that still see a skin color on you and think that you should be on one side of the issue or another. All right? That's what racists do. It's like, hey, blind man, did you... I think this is rude to say to Stevie Wonder. Have you ever seen the Clayton Bigsby sketch <laughs> from the Chappelle show? Because I feel like he wouldn't get it. God damn it. Blindness is a bitch. I am sorry, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> I am sorry. Let's move on. I got 10 minutes left. Anyway, uh, family says landlord moved into their backyard and is living in a tent. I'll tell you where this is not happening in the United States. A family in Australia is asking for help dealing with an unusual problem with their landlord who has decided to move into the backyard of their home. She's apparently now living in a tent. She is apparently now living in a tent behind the house that she indeed owns, confounding the renters. (laughs) Times are tight, I guess. Uh, A couple named Nikki and William have been living in a home in New South South Wales for two months when they first received an unexpected message from their landlord, Pascal, P-A-S-C-A-L-E? Pascal Hubert, the son, reports. Uh, As they explained to the outlet, the the landlord was contacting them to let them know that she was moving onto the property. Quote, Dear Nikki Nikki and William, I am the owner. As of tonight, I will be occupying the rear yard. (laughs) Hubert uh, then set up a tent in the backyard and has been living there with her partner ever since. Oh, no. Nikki and Williams spoke with a current affair. Is that show still on? EK's nodding. Holy cow. Anyway, Nikki and Williams spoke to a current affair saying police and real estate don't know what to do. Oh, Australia. Australia. Uh, So our children are terrified. They keep asking, who are they? And we can't give them any answers. Uh, It's a guy who owns a place, you know, just camping out back there. Um, The police are telling us that real estate should be physically removing these people. And the real estate estate people are saying, it's like, that's not our responsibility. Yeah, that's Australia. Yeah, nobody wants to pick up that piece of shit. Anyway, so uh, Hubert reportedly told reporters that she has the right to live in the backyard. The rental contract the family signed does not include the backyard. <laughs> she claims, reasoning reasoning that she has the right to use it as she fit as she sees fit. 
uh, an executive for a tenants union of New South Wales, however, said there may be something the couple can do. Depending on the language of the lease, the landlord and her partner may indeed be trespassing <laughs> when they use the property's driveway. God damn. This is why it's always better to own than rent, ladies and gentlemen. Can you, are you nodding over there? You can't? Okay. That's why it's always better to own than rent. Mm. Got one more story. I like to end it with a feel-good story. Not very long. But a Texas detective presents boy. Texas detective. Texas detective presents boy with new bicycle after his was destroyed by an offender. A a Texas detective presented a child with a new bicycle after police said his was destroyed by the subject of a case. The Irving Police Department said the new ride and helmet were donated by Team Texas for Families, a non-profit organization, according to Fox 4. Uh, Quote, Detective Josh Smith was working a case where the offender destroyed Nick's bike. Destroyed it. The department said in a tweet, Police released an image of Smith and another officer standing alongside the boy in his new bicycle on Sunday. Now, there's a couple things I want to talk about in this article. Here's the headline. Texas detective presents boy with new bicycle after his way after his was destroyed by offender. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 words in the headline. All right. Boys in blue by bike. That's excellent. You are you still mad about that Barry Eats Pickles video? Yeah. <laughs> That's on my YouTube channel. Look for Barry Eats Pickles. Anyway, so um, boys in blue by bike. So um, here's the thing: it's like 13 words in that headline, and this parag- this story, quote unquote, is four sentences. All right, I find that odd. It seems like nothing but a obligatory or contractually obligated pluff, uh, puff piece. But that being said, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure police departments and nonprofit organizations that are funded by people like the Fraternal Order of Police and stuff like that, they do stuff like this all the time for the victims of crime. And I think that you don't understand is like even the police department, you know, has a support community following around after them trying to give uh, kind things. Who was that kid that had, uh, there was something stole from him. There was a Nerf dart gun or something like that. No, the Santa, the Santa, the Santa who, uh, who told a kid is like, you can't have a Nerf gun because no guns. Right. And that video went viral. And so that, that boy's Christmas, guess what he got? Guess what he got? A shitload of Nerf guns. And you know what? That's the America we live in, all right? These are the people, these are the people who do things like this. You know, we look out after each other. Your support network is across the street. Your support network is on the other end of the Skype call. Do people use Skype anymore? Eh, EK's like, eh. (laughs) And so, I mean, uh, that's the way our society works. That's the way our um, human lives work. You know, and so at a national level, there's not a whole lot of effect that they can have because there's a ton of us. There's a ton of us. Um, 
being the president of the United States is like being on like an ant on a big pile of wet sand and trying to move the corner that is the top of that pile of wet sand like 30, 30 feet that way. It's impossible. It's almost impossible. I, I don't know if you can get that metaphor. I don't really understand. We're coming to the end of the show, so I just want to remind you that um, I haven't told you at the beginning. So I just want to remind you that I have a Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would appreciate it. You can also send me um, money through Cash App. Use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio. Uh, all one word. I would appreciate it. I also have books over on Amazon uh, for digital download. Uh, search for the author Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. Two T's and two B's. Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. And uh, I got my Exit 13 books. I got the Bunny Years of Memoir and the Ravings of a Madman. Second drink. Thank you, Pam Dawson. Pam Lawson? What was Pam's last name? Uh... What's the other dude's name? Uh, Pam and the guy's always looking at the camera going, what's that guy's name? Pam and I don't even remember that guy's name. He's like a big actor now. He's been in like war movies and shit now. What's his name? Jim. Jim Halpert. Pam Halpert. And what was Pam's maiden name? Pam Dawson? Dawson? Or am I thinking of... Rosario Dawson? Why am I thinking about Rosario Dawson? Who isn't? If you're not thinking about Rosario Dawson. Are you thinking about Rosario Dawson? I am. Is it Rosario Dawson? Okay. What, Pam Dawson? What was... Huh? I don't know who that is. Jim Halpert's wife's maiden name is... Pam... Beasley. 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 Thank you, E.K. Now we can end the show. (laughs) Alright, I was stuck right there. Like I reminded you, and like go to uh, Cash App, send me money. I would appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. I would appreciate it. This has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman, and I love you.